welcome to the 100k freelancer club podcast this is episode two so we're one step closer to where we want to be on our journey to help you become a successful freelancer my name's Niall McCorn I live in Manchester where it is raining again but it's not raining over in Barcelona where my partner in crime Jacob Brickle is stationed ready to do the podcast hello JB how are you mate hello hello I'm good I'm good it's actually sunny in Barcelona for once we've had about six months of grey and rain I moved here for the sun enjoyed the rain Um, but yeah I'm great I'm great how are you today yeah I'm pretty good man I've had a busy productive day And as freelancers, you'll know that when you have a productive day is one of the best feelings, isn't it? Because you feel that everything's coming together. Things are starting to work. You're starting to tick boxes. Cogs are starting to turn. It's a a satisfying feeling. And obviously, that's what we're trying to get across to the people, isn't it? Exactly. That is one of the best feelings in the world is when you can tick off those checklists on that to-do list that you wrote the night before. Bang, doing this, that and the other. Productivity, 100%. And that's what everybody dreams of. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to this podcast where we're going to be telling people about what's the best way to get themselves out there. It's not so much marketing, it's more garnering all of your skills and putting them into one place. We're going to be talking about portfolios today. Yes, you know, portfolios, everyone's got one. Everyone needs one. It's so important if you're trying to put yourself out there because it's almost like a rolling CV that never stops. You've got all of this work that you keep adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. So we're going to try and tell you about how to generate a decent portfolio to get yourself off the ground and get yourself moving in freelance land. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. It's at 100K Freelancer Club, uh, also on Instagram as well. You can follow that for exclusive content and advice. And also, it's a good way to get in touch with us as well. You can ask us some questions. Uh, anything you want us to cover on the podcast, we'll do that for you. But let's just quickly go back to the crux of why we do these podcasts. We're here to teach you how to become a high-earning freelancer, at least help push you along the way a little bit. So new content and lessons are added monthly from us at our website, 100 k freelancerclub.com but JB let's get our teeth stuck into it let's talk about portfolios now you made a really interesting point before we started the podcast that portfolios you don't actually have to be a freelancer to have one anyone can have a portfolio if there's something you've been working on why not showcase it no exactly and I mean uh, a portfolio can come from any of the work you've done, whether it be projects in university, even projects at primary and secondary school, um, down to if you've been working for a couple of years, you use the work that you've done for said company in your um, in your portfolio. And like you said before, your portfolio evolves with you. You are your portfolio. People, when they're employing you for freelance projects, that is what they are going to look at, what you've done and how well you've done it. Um, but yeah, let's just Let's just jump in and say, how did you get your first uh, item on your portfolio? Wow. Was it real? Did you make it? Did you do a project? Was it a project in school? Or did you just jump straight into the first job and then chuck that in there? You know what? It's funny you say about school because I didn't even think of that. But now looking back, actually, I've got to give a lot of credit to my mum because she said, you need to build a portfolio. So at school, the school we went to, which uh, no longer stands, bless it, George Ward School, uh, rest in peace. (laughs) Um, (laughs) R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah, absolutely. But um, the school we went to had a sort of a recording studio for music students, which is quite a feat in itself. Not many secondary schools have got that sort of facility. And then during lunch times, there used to be like a a school radio station, which was a bit of fun. And I kind of sort of found my way into doing that. And I quite enjoyed it. And 
you know, I was kind of sort of doing radio shows at the age of 11, which is like mad, really, when you think back all those years. Like, you know, I was 11 years old and I was involved in a radio station, although not a big one or, or a, a well-known one. It was just a school thing. But still, it was in, involvement in radio at such a young age. And my mum was like, you've done so much stuff between the ages of like 11 and 15. You need to start building a portfolio. So at school, I did some public speaking where I won some awards um, for doing public speaking and stuff like that. We went to different parts of the southwest where we're from, um, doing the public speaking on behalf of the school and winning awards for it and getting through competitions. And my mum was like, you know, you need to put all these things into one place. So all of my certificates were there, um, almost like a, a, as a medal of, of the achievements that I'd made. Um, and, and stuff like that I did at school as well, some media stuff I did at school. It's all there, videos I made. Um, I put together a, a bid, actually a package to bid to the council to try and get to to try and get the school some new uh, broadcasting equipment, some new video recording equipment. Um, and eventually the council actually said yes and, and built uh, a purpose built sort of room with Apple Macs and stuff in it with TV equipment, almost like a, a fully fledged mini TV studio. So these are all things that I did when I was quite young. And so my mum, bless her, was like, you need to put all these things into one place. So I guess that was kind of the, the embryonic stages of my portfolio, which obviously now has kind of developed into something a bit more. It's almost like I said before, a rolling CV. And you've got tools to do the job, which we'll obviously discuss in later podcasts like LinkedIn and, and, and certain websites and pages and social media channels that you can use to kind of uh, boost that. But yeah, I guess that was kind of my first experience of, of building a portfolio was when I was quite young, maybe 12 or 13 years old. And my mum kind of pushed me on the way, which which is good for her. But certainly if anyone listening has got some stuff they've done at school that they're proud of, that they still have a copy of, go and scan it into a photocopier somewhere and keep it as part of a portfolio or even keep the original. Because like you're saying, JB, these are things where you know, it is your work at the end of the day. And if it helps you get a client in the freelance world, then why not use it and make the most of it? What about you? What were your uh, experiences of building a portfolio? Okay, so I started building my portfolio off of the work that I was doing for myself when I was pretty young. So I've had a lot of experience and a lot of work uh, in technology and coding ever since the school days. Uh, And I tried to put this into practice when I was younger. So uh, the second I got to university, basically, and I was studying uh, business, uh, I really wanted to start a business. So uh, me and one of my uh, best friends started a clothing company, and we wanted to sell these clothes online. So I built the website, but this business, uh, it did not take off, uh, and it ended. But the thing is, even though that business failed and that project failed, I still had that website. So I kept the website running kept it up there took screenshots of it recordings of it all that sort of stuff to display the work that i had done Uh, and this is one of the things one of the main points of this podcast is that you don't need clients to make a portfolio and that is a really important statement because in any field any field you can do the work for yourself first for imaginary clients to showcase what you've done Uh, in my experience or in my field web development uh, you can make, you can challenge yourself to make five different websites for five different imaginary clients. So if you've never built a website before, but you know how to, you know, you've been studying web development for years, and now you want to put this into practice, you can imagine five clients in your head. You want to do uh, a small cafe website. You just imagine it. You take a logo from somewhere online, like you buy cheap rights to like a cheap logo for five euros and then put that on the website you do all the design yourself you rent some cheap hosting 
you put it online, now that is on your portfolio. Uh, the same, you can do all sorts of things. Graphic design, you don't need clients to make posters or business cards or logos. You can just sketch away making as many logos as you want mm. uh, and add them to your portfolio. Um, now, we're covering another podcast how um, different different fields display their portfolio, where to store your portfolio and how to get it to clients and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this podcast is really just about how to build it from scratch. But yeah, that first point there is um, you don't need clients to build the portfolio. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think actually sometimes your portfolio is what gets you clients. Well, it is what gets you clients. It is even if you even if you have a healthy bank of clients, your portfolio is still what they're going to look to. I mean, maybe further down the line, they'll start seeing some of the other uh, people that you have contact with. So they might see, oh, well, he's done work for this client, so therefore he must be good. You know, that that sort of thing comes with time and with experience. But when you're so, sort of starting off in the business, whatever your industry might be from what I do, broadcasting to what you do, web design, coding, etc. Certainly, you need to have some sort of bank of, of work, really. You need to have some sort of a vault where you can dig into and, and, and show people what you're capable of. And certainly don't be afraid to try things and, and go slightly out of your comfort zone, perhaps. I would say that. I mean, you you knew sort of how to build a website, but you know, you, you've been going out of your comfort zone for years. That's how you kind of push yourself to the next level. So it all sort of stems to the fact that people might have heard in the last podcast that um, when I started doing football commentary, I did it as a favor for a friend. I never wanted to be a football commentator when I started off my life in work. It was very much a friend of mine had a, a ladies FA Cup game that he wanted me to commentate on. And I said, listen, mate, I've never commentated a game in my life, but I've always loved football. So... I kind of thought it's something to say I've done. I could put it on my portfolio. I'll put it on my CV and say that I've given football commentary a crack. This was sort of very early in my broadcasting days. And um, I did it and I loved it. And I had a copy of it. And I've still got a copy of that commentary. Don't get me wrong. When I listen back now, I cringe because it is shocking. You know, I'm <laughs> listening back and it's absolutely terrible. It's like, you know, the squeaky teenager from The Simpsons. But, oh god yeah, yeah. <laughs> but listening back um i'm not particularly proud of it but certainly it's something i've done so to be perfectly honest it was something that i'm really proud of and i still am but i did it because i went out of my comfort zone i never really expected to be able to add that to my cv it was never something i thought would be an option but it but it has been so you know that's something I, all i would say is don't be afraid to go out of your comfort zone and maybe try something slightly different if you thought oh, i've always wanted to do that or i've never thought if i could do that just give it a go because especially if you've got no clients to worry about letting down in terms of you're worried that, that maybe it's not what they're looking for you've, you've only got yourself really to kind of build up in the situation and if you don't like it you can always scrap it but just give things a go know what you're good at stick to your strengths but also maybe dip into other areas and other pools and try and figure out what you could also be good at because sometimes you never know until you try yeah exactly and that is another thing we're going to cover in a future uh podcast is how to basically expand uh, your options how to add more revenue streams how can you take your designated field and just add little bits of like extra income on the side um so for me that was uh website design what goes perfectly with website design is digital marketing getting traffic to that website there's no point in having a website if you haven't got anybody on it uh so that was where i went down that field 
Uh, the second thing I wanted to say on the portfolio front is that your work doesn't always need to be finished for it to be on the portfolio. You yeah. can have a working portfolio. 100%. Uh, and you can also use like, a portfolio almost like an interactive blog. So you can update as you go. So you can say, these are the projects that I'm currently working on. Here's uh, a website that is under development, but here's the access to the three pages that are live. We expect to have six pages in the next upcoming months. Here's, um, so let's say you're a copywriter or you know a creative writer. Here's the book that I'm working on for this client. We've got 25 pages complete right now. Here's the 25 pages. I'm adding three pages every day. Uh, come back to the portfolio next week to see how it's coming along. Uh, and that might be a nice like interactive feature of where you store your portfolio for clients to look at because often employers aren't going to look at your portfolio and just employ you straight away i mean the guy that's employing uh, employing often in bigger companies has to report back to somebody so getting a project usually happens over the space of a couple of days or a couple of weeks so there is time to continuously add to your portfolio and make it more of like a dynamic blog, you know, you're adding stuff every single week. Is that something that you've done in your life as well? I know it's like you've added stuff, like as you've done, I've done this radio show this week and then, sure. you know, you do a radio next week and then you add that. Definitely. It's, I think it's all about variation as well. You need to show that you're not a one-trick pony. And, and even though if you are in quite a specific field, you know, for instance, maybe you do calligraphy or something like that. You need to show that you can you can expand within that field. So you need to show that you don't just do a certain type of radio show. Like I don't just do sport radio shows. I can do music radio shows. Sport radio shows is my thing, but I can do music and I need to show and I need to demonstrate that I'm capable working on a music show. Similarly with broadcasting in football, you know, I'm a big sport fan in general. I love my cricket, I love my golf, I love darts, I love snooker, I love all sorts of sports. So I need to show that I don't just like football and that's not the only thing I'm interested in because you're kind of narrowing yourself then. And and that's what you don't yeah, want to do. You don't want to close the door to any potential projects. Yeah. Absolutely right. So, you know, you need to be able to expand it in that sense. You need to show that, like I say, you're not a one-trick pony. Even if your field is very specific, you need to show that you can operate within different areas within that because even if a field is quite niche there's still going to be levels and there's still going to be sort of different aspects to that that you're going to need to work on at some point in time but i do think initially when you do make a portfolio focus on your strengths make sure that core of your portfolio is is decent so start adding in it things that you're most proud of but don't forget to also add some of the things that like you say are unfinished because it shows that you're progressive um and and you know for instance if you're a cartoonist don't add 10 photos of Batman, add two of Batman, two of Superman, two of Ant-Man, two of Iron Man. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to try and spice things up a little bit to show that you are capable of adapting to a challenge because often people will pitch to you projects. Can you do this for me? And if you sat there going, oh, I'm not sure I can do it, then you're not going to get anywhere. Sometimes you've got to bite off more than you can chew and figure out how to do it at a later date. And to be perfectly honest, sometimes your portfolio is is the first real sort of port of call when it comes to that because employers will look at you and they'll think well is this guy capable of doing it or is this girl capable of doing this and you need to make them say yes just by looking at your portfolio so having a variety is obviously key for me definitely you want to look at i mean just look at the graphic design field for example let's go there again if you're a graphic designer you don't just want to have you know digital designs on your thing you want to show that you can work in digital and print because a lot of the times for um employers people that are going to be employing you for a certain projects it's going to be cheaper to the, for them to employ just one person 
that can do both the digital designs and the print designs and employ two separate designers. So they're going to be looking for a designer that can do both things in said film and I'm in, in said field. Sorry, and that's going to be the same among a, like a variety of different industries. So yeah, you have got to show flexibility in your in your portfolio. Uh, and another thing that you can do as well is you can write mini case studies on your um, on on all of the work that you've done. So on every single piece in your portfolio, write a story about it. Great How point. did you get to know this client? You want to really illustrate the points of the process. So how did the relationship go? How did the management go? How did the actual work go? What did you think of the work? How could you improve on the work? What do you think was missing? And what would you do better next time? Uh, these are all points. Just think of it like, um, like a university or a school assignment when you're trying to critique your own work. Um, and obviously don't want to critique it too hard. Um, but you want to go over the benefits and the cons of this particular piece of work. And I think that is really good. Like it takes a really strong person to be able to say, okay, this wasn't quite that good on this project, but I'm going to be able to do it so much better on the next one. And I've identified that I need to do that. 100% agree with you there, mate. And there's so many useful tools that can help you do that. For instance, WordPress, free blog insights, where you can almost upload each piece of work you do as a blog post and then have a bit of text or a bit of blurb underneath it explaining what you did, the actual aspects of the, the work you did and how you got around to doing it and what made you feel like you wanted to do it. Certainly there are tools and free websites out there that can help you along the way. I mean, I would use WordPress as an example because it's something I've used before. It's easy to use. I'm familiar with it. So, you know, I think critiquing your own work is is the key to to success in a way but certainly don't beat yourself up if your portfolio is looking a bit thin on the ground just work on it in your own time because obviously working on yourself is is how you improve because i mean you will have clients coming back to you in the future saying this is how you can get better this is what i want from you next time but certainly most people i mean i know i am i'm my own biggest critic so i often listen back to i'll listen back to this podcast two or three times and think okay how can i host the show better or i'll do the same for radio shows so I think maybe sometimes looking back over time, don't look back straight away, maybe a couple of weeks later and just look back and think, okay, what did I like and what did I not like about what I did there and see how you can improve. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you'll agree on it uh, or not, but obviously there's a, there's a big problem in the industry at the moment uh, with freelancers getting paid on time and all that sort of stuff. You've probably seen the memes and that online. Yes. But um, a great way, a great way, obviously, build that portfolio initially is to work for free. And I stress, I really do stress this, you need to set a limit and stick to it. So it might be, if you're a, you know, a web designer, you might want to do three websites for free. You can put out there uh, on LinkedIn or wherever you might be marketing. And again, we'll cover this at a later podcast that you're going to do free websites for free to build your portfolio. But it is so important. I don't know if that's something that you've done as well now is you've approached places or you've been approached and asked to do this work for free and thought okay you know what i do need this opportunity so i will do it i mean a lot of people will approach you and say i'll oh, do it for free it will give you you know a lot of clout but yeah have you ever done work for free just to get it on your portfolio now i worked years for free years i'm talking well, sounds like you've done a bit too much then <laughs> years so, I, mean, I mean the first few years of working in radio like i say i mean my first kind of experience of radio was when i was 11 and then all through sort of student days through uni pretty much all the work i did freelancing on the side of my degree was all was all for free 
So mm. a lot of the stuff I did during uni was, I mean, I was on the student radio station. I then got an internship with the BBC, which then blossomed into something better and an actual an actual freelance role there. So that's kind of where it started, as people who listen to the last podcast will know. So, yeah, I've done plenty of work for free. But as you say, it's knowing when to value yourself and think, right, I've done enough now. I need to start asking for some money. Um, so that's something we will cover in a later podcast. So I'm just conscious that we're going a little bit off track. So just to remind everyone about portfolios, get them done, because it's so important to helping you strive and thrive to be the best you can in this uh, freelance business, which is ruthless. Oh, exactly. And it is, for me, it's a bit like accounting and taxes. If you leave your accounting and taxes till the end of the year, you spend five days straight having to rush to get it all together. Like if you haven't updated your portfolio in two years and the client's now asking for your portfolio and they want it by tomorrow, you're going to have a hell of a stressful time trying to get that all together. Every project you do for yourself, for a client, as a hobby, add it to the portfolio, get it in there. You want it dynamic, you want it breathable, you want it to be you know, a living representation of you and the work you're currently doing. Not the work you've done six years ago. Yes, you'll have the work you've done six years ago on there, but you want this to be a modern and accurate representation of you and the work you can do right now. And you don't want to be stressing over getting a portfolio to a client that's asked for it tomorrow when you haven't updated it in two years. On that profound note, you've reminded me that my tax return is due very, very soon. So thanks for that, Jaden. <laughs> no worries. Uh, you know, there's painful reminders. I'm like, ah. But yeah, you know, I've got, got to do what we preach here and just not leave those things that last minute. Because oh. believe me, when they bite, it hurts, man. Yeah, hurts. I've had many an email from HMRC. I don't know what you've been doing. <laughs> I hope you've been playing by the rules, JV. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll call it a day there for now. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the 100K Freelancer Club podcast. Don't forget the reason we're actually doing this podcast is to help you guys. And the way you can get involved with us is go to visit our website. It's 100kfreelancerclub.com where we'll have a fully comprehensive course that helps to teach you how to become a high-earning and successful freelancer where we'll add new content and new lessons on a monthly basis. We've got loads of stuff, loads of content coming for you via this podcast channel. So don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll be bringing you all the news that we believe is relevant from the freelancer world, pros and cons, why do we do what we do, how to get clients, marketing. We'll have you covered on this podcast right here. So don't forget to subscribe. But that'll be it for this episode. So a big thank you to JB all the way in Bath. Barcelona, which is a lot sunnier than Manchester is right now as the rain teams down. Uh, but good to chat to you again, mate. Yep, and I'll say adios from me and, uh, and I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. This has been the 100K Freelancer Club podcast. We'll chat to you next time.